welcome to the Thrive Subscribe Podcast, where we inspire you, challenge you, and give you the tools you need to transform your pharmacy practice. Today, Randy hosts a roundtable discussion with pharmacists Deborah Bowers and Amber Southers, where they discuss staffing changes they've made to support clinical services in their pharmacies. Now, here's your host, Randy McDonough. I'd like to have Deborah and Amber, and I'll, I will also do this, uh, give a little bit of information about their practice. So, Deborah, will you lead us off, please? Um, so, Deborah Bowers with Yorkville Pharmacy in York, South Carolina. <clears throat> um, basically, I've always wanted to just take better care of my patients. So, I wouldn't, I would say I would be progressive in the fact that was doing a lot of extra things just by problem solving and seeing issues, um, but maybe not actually having a organized workflow type thing. Um, but as um, the money side started dwindling, um, I had to come up with a way to be more efficient so that we could still provide the same level of care that we've always done. Um, with less money and that's kind of kind of what my perspective is on today's interview thank you deborah and amber can you give a little bit about your practice uh, my name's amber southers and i work for sigourneville pharmacy um beth brought me on because she had a vision for our community we're very rural uh, there's no other health care in our town the people are very underserved so she had a vision to just provide more access to health care and more access to the things that people need. So um, that's been my main job since I've been here is just trying to help launch these clinical services and find ways that we could better serve the people in our community. And um, that's just what we're trying to bring here. So that's what that's what we just keep working for every day. All right. Thank you. And, and my name is Randy McDonough, and I'm co-owner of Towncrest and Solon Towncrest Pharmacies and Towncrest Compounding Pharmacy. And I've been an owner now for um, 13 and a half years. And uh, the same type of thing that I've heard Deborah and Amber both say is that I had a vision uh, for how community pharmacy can be practiced and should be practiced. And so I left my academic position 13 and a half years ago to become co-owner of the two pharmacies. And my role um, has been to help transform the practice to provide clinical services. And so I'm director of clinical operations um, and have been doing this now um, for some time and really have seen the, the transformation of the practice, which has been exciting. But as we talk about today about the use of uh, non-pharmacist support staff. I really believed in that and we are a technician product verification state and so we were one of the initial sites that did the study. So I'm excited to talk about how we can utilize our our support staff within the pharmacy to really um, transform our practice to provide enhanced services. So with that being said, I'm actually going to start with some questions and Deborah, I'm going to pose the first question to you. You know, you have a, a progressive community pharmacy that has really optimized the use of your non-pharmacist support staff. Can you tell me what are the different positions or job titles that you've created uh, so that the pharmacists are able to deliver enhanced patient care services? Um, so for starters, everybody that works at my pharmacy is a technician, um, if you're not a pharmacist. Um, so um, that's one of the things that I decided that hasn't always been the case, but moving forward, 
um, that has been um, what I decided to do because I was running into situations where, you know, if somebody needed to be off or, you know, somebody was sick, then I didn't have people that were cross-trained. And I wanted to get away from that. Um, so that was my first thing. My next thing is I actually do have a lead technician. So all things that deal with the technical aspect of the prescription, um, that's what that person handles. So, um, you know, if it's an insurance issue or it's a how do I process this prescription issue, then the other technicians go to that person. They don't go to the pharmacist. Um, so that frees up the pharmacist to not be, you know, interrupted constantly for non-clinical questions. Um, I also, um, and, and that lead technician does do, you know, like the scheduling and she does the rotation in our pharmacy. Everybody is cross-trained and you rotate through uh, different stations. And um, so she does that rotation and kind of handles the day-to-day -day stuff. So the pharmacist is there, can just check the orders and counsel the patient and do the clinical type aspects of the work. Um, the other thing that I did was I also got um, people to um, have something they were responsible for. So like I have one particular technician that even though other technicians know how to do the order, um, she's responsible to make sure it gets done every week. So if she's not gonna be there the day that the order would normally done, she makes her own arrangements to make sure that it's done. Um, I have one technician who's responsible for the home that we do. So like if there's ever any problems, we go straight to her. Um, you know, she just kind of handles it. So I took things that constantly needed to be addressed and took them off of my plate as the owner and the pharmacist and assigned them to somebody. And so they have ownership of it. And, you know, if there's any issues with it, if there's any problems, then I go straight to that person. But that way they can do all the day-to-day -day functions with the pharmacy um, so that the pharmacists are freed up to just be the pharmacist, which I don't think happens in a lot of places. And that's what kind of keeps us from moving forward. Well, I appreciate that because I, I pulled away multiple things and the three main things I pulled away, Deborah, and because uh, I've experienced this myself too as being an owner is the importance of cross-training because as soon as you have one person sick or go on vacation, things should not stop and it should not be hard. And so making sure you have adequate cross-training um, with all the staff, I think is absolutely essential for pharmacists to understand Number two is having a lead technician um, that really takes care of all the non-clinical decisions as it relates to the prescription. So the pharmacist doesn't have to take care of that. They can focus on the clinical aspects. And the third is that each position um, has a responsibility that although people are cross-trained, this person takes the responsibility and it's up to them if they're going to be gone to make sure that they're covered. And I think those are all very excellent um, you know, uh, decisions that you've made as a business owner. So thank you very much for that information. Is there anything else you want to add to those three things that I just mentioned? No, I, I think that sums it up. All right, very good. So Amber, from the technician perspective, how do you see the role of the technician evolving in a practice providing enhanced patient care services? Um, just from the experience that we've had this year, 
you know, uh, technicians can be used in a lot of different ways. We've started using our technicians um, to triage patients to let the pharmacist know what's going on with them, that they may need to make some type of intervention with them. So we do the entire workup up till, you know, the pharmacist needs to step in. And, you know, that applies to immunizations, to these innovations that are coming with the change packages. If you just get your pharmacy staff involved, that frees up the pharmacist. They don't have to try to figure out, you know, what's going on with them or or things that are wrong. There are questions that we can ask that can get them ready to talk to the pharmacist. and They just have to deal with what the actual problem and intervention is. So I see that as evolving into something pretty big and substantial as we keep going through these different domains and progressions. Um, I think that we'll also be able to, you know, we'll get more comfortable with identifying problems with regimens and things like that that we need to um, send to the pharmacist. You know, when when we have a patient that come in that comes in for an immunization, the only thing that the pharmacist has to do is give them the shot and, you know, ask them a couple questions. Besides that, we have everything done. So as these clinical services get bigger and, you know, we get more payers involved, I just feel like the pharmacy technician is is going to be used as, you know, the information gatherer and the pharmacist isn't going to have to, you know, do all the initial workup and things like that. So what I'm hearing then, Amber, from your perspective is, a lot of things that Deborah talked about as far as utilizing the technicians to really manage the dispensing functions, which you do as well, too. I've been to your pharmacy. You see this role evolving even more so that the technician can be involved in the patient care side, much like you might see in a physician office where they're doing the triaging of the patient before they actually see the pharmacist so that the, the pharmacist uh, can provide the time to really identify and resolve any medication-related problems, help the patient optimize their medications. So I thought I think this is I think that's excellent. I think we have to start looking at how we can utilize our technicians in a more advanced way. But the other thing I think is interesting too is how you are talking about, you know, that the technicians are being proactive to try to identify problems with a regimen that can be passed on to the uh, pharmacist to be able to correct. And so just making the technicians more aware about what they need to be doing uh, from a medication regimen as they're filling prescriptions and making pharmacists aware. And then the third thing I thought was interesting is you talk about immunizations. You said we get them all prepared all the way until they have to give the shot. Well, we know in certain, some states, and I'm a big proponent of this, that uh, you know I, technicians in some states can actually actually provide the, the vaccine or give the shot as well too. And so then the, the responsibility comes to the pharmacist to still do the assessment of the patient, maybe look at the state registry, identify other vaccines the patient might be eligible for, but also how does it relate to their overall health care condition and their other medications. So I think, you know, this whole thing demonstrates the importance of the evolution of not only the pharmacist role, and you both spoke about freeing up the pharmacist, but also the evolution of the technician role, and that will continue to evolve. So is that accurate for both of your perspectives? what I just mentioned? Yes, and yeah. I've actually reached out to our state legislation to try to get, you know, the uh, approval for technicians to do immunizations. I haven't heard anything back, but, you know, I've followed the, I think it was in Idaho that got that approved so technicians could administer immunizations. 
thought, you know, I'm wanting to try to leap that here to get Very that good. training available for our technicians in Tennessee. Very good. And Deborah, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I was in agreement. Okay, very and good. I, I don't think South Carolina is going to be as progressive as everybody <laughs> else. But yeah. um, well, I certainly utilize the technicians to do as much as they possibly can. So, like, they're the ones that go on the registry. They give the pharmacist everything. Um, and we do utilize a tech, check, tech system. But um, in South Carolina, we still have to have the pharmacist review it um, before it goes to the patient. Um, in most cases, um, there are a few cases that it is allowed, but in the retail setting, um, the pharmacist still has to be that final check. Um, but again, everything else is done by the technician, so it's a real quick check, and then the pharmacist counsels the patient. And I, wa I wanted it designed that any pharmacist could come in my store, and the store would still run. And the pharmacist could just be the pharmacist. And so that's basically, uh, this past Saturday, I had a fill-in um, come work. He doesn't normally work at my store. And they did perfectly fine. Yeah, I appreciate that. I totally agree with that, too, because it makes it easier for the flexibility of your own schedule if you've got a excellent support staff that can actually run the pharmacy and let the pharmacist take care of what they need to do from a pharmacist perspective. So that's very much appreciated. So this next question is going to be for both of you, um, and I'll have Deborah start, but um, now, can you describe or what are some of the best practices for training non-pharmacist support staff in a practice that has transformed to provide patient care services? Um, so <clears throat> I have utilized um, YouTube and webinars like crazy. I, I'm like the master of copying everybody else. So um, if I see a great um, sync video, like like right before I wanted to start sync, um, I saw um, Jason Turner's video and it was about 45 minutes long. And I was like, I need to get all my staff on board on this. So I made every one of my staff watch his video. Um, any kind of training like for example, we use Prescribe Wellness as our e-care plan vendor. So any video that they have, um, I let them do all the work. <laughs> and then, you know, I have my staff look at it so they kind of know where we're going. Um, and that helps me because it frees me up. I don't have to explain it. And it's also just not some other harebrained idea that I came up with. You know, it actually came it came from somebody else. And um because my staff is like every time I go somewhere and I come back, they're like, what are we going to do now? Um, they're kind of scared. <laughs> uh, so um, it's always nice to have other venues or other people or vendors who I'm always doing and looking at those kind of things. And when I find something that's good, I just take that and let my staff see it. So it's not necessarily that I'm doing all of the training, um, but I'm constantly on the lookout for the next, thing that my staff can do and I try to find it in a form that is easy so you know I just take someone off the counter and say hey go watch this video and then when that person gets done I take the next person off you know like they're just rotating through until everybody's watched the video so that Deborah, follow, the question, the question? it does so to follow up on that do you have a library of videos that you see are your go-to videos um, yeah, so like when somebody gets trained, when somebody starts my pharmacy, 
they have like a laundry list of things that they have to go through and it just keeps growing and growing. So like now it, like it's three days worth of stuff before the technician can even actually start working because there's just all these things that I want them to kind of just get up to speed and the mindset um, that I want them to be at. And when I interview too, um, you know, I tell them that if you just want to be a technician, um, just filling prescription and not doing anything else, this is not the place for you. Um, so I kind of set that, that expectation up front um, because I tell them that we spoil our patients and if there's something new to do, well, we're going to figure out how to do it. And if you don't have that mindset, this won't be a good fit for you. So you have a pretty extensive onboarding um, system to get the just the technicians to be thinking about what they're going to be doing. Um, I'm assuming then, Deborah, you have certain things you do to assess the competence uh, and the um, job descriptions to make sure that they're doing what they should be doing um, as they progress through their career with you. Um, yeah, so I have an efficiency tracker um, that's specifically just on the prescription side. Um, and as the enhanced services are growing, um, I'm probably going to develop something. I'm not quite sure yet what I'm going to do with that, but I really had to make sure that we were really efficient on just prescription filling. Um, because, you know, when we went to a sync model, we took away um, the patients on fire, you know, mentality that they're right there, they're right in front of you. We've got to work at a fast pace, a fast pace. Um, and so what I was finding is that my staff was doing the same thing is like they weren't working at the same pace as like the patient was kind of in front of them. Um, so I had to find a way to measure efficiency just so I could show them, hey, even though um, our work environment's a lot better, it's, it's much more laid back, we still have to be um, working at a pace like the patient still in front of us so that we will have time to, to expand our practice and do these other things. I appreciate that. That's yeah, that's a good idea because you're right, as you really evolve your med sync program and you have the majority of your patients that are synced up in some way, it improves efficiencies, but that efficiencies are supposed to be used in a different way to really provide, you know, patient care services. So you can't just kind of relax into it. So I appreciate that comment. So Amber, from your perspective, what are some of the practices that you guys have implemented to uh, train non-pharmacist support staff? So, you know, before when you would hire a new technician, like Deborah mentioned, it was just kind of, you just throw them in there because they just need to learn the dispensing process. And so now we're trying to let people know up front as well that, you know, we're going to expect a lot. There's going to be a lot of things that are happening. There's a lot of evolution going on. So, you know, we let them know up front as well that there are a lot of things that are different, you know, that weren't there five years ago or 10 years ago. Um, we also have been working on trying to get a type of training program going. So when we do hire a new technician, you know, they spend the time uh, onboarding and getting the proper training before we put them on the workflow because, you know, as we are putting these new enhanced services in our workflow, it just is a recipe for disaster if you don't get the the strong foundation that they need to know what's going on. So, you know, just sitting down with our staff, we've had a few staff meetings over the last month, which we weren't used to doing. I mean, we are evolving how that we train our 
staff. So we've had a few staff meetings just to let people know how important these things are that are coming, why everyone needs to be involved, why you have to have that motivation, and, you know, assigning specific duties to people and finding the strengths in each employee um, that they could, you know, bring an added clinical service to the pharmacy. That's what we've done. We focused on people's strengths. We have one person that does the bubble packs. I know how to do our adherence packaging, but she manages it. That's something that she really enjoys. So finding something that each employee enjoys and has a passion about and then, you know, finding a project for them, that's really helped us as well and just getting organized and letting our staff know what's expected and, um, you know, trying to just get an efficient training program going um, has been helpful to us as well. I appreciate that, Amber. And, and again, with both of you talking, I think it's interesting as you talk about the evolving expectations of our technicians, you know, as our practice has evolved, so have our expectations of our, our technicians. And then during the onboarding process, making sure they fully understand um, and appreciate what those expectations are. You both talk about the training and the onboarding, the importance of that. And I think the other thing is interesting too, Amber, that you mentioned is, you know, you got to make sure that you got your dispensing functions. And, and Deborah, you alluded to this too. You got to be strong in your foundation of filling the prescriptions and making sure that's efficient because when you throw in the, the uh, clinical services, the enhanced services within the workflow, if you don't have that at strong, everything else can kind of unravel very quickly. So it's important that everybody understands how this all fits together from that perspective as well. So my next question, and Deborah, I'll lead off with you on this, is so what are some of the challenges that you have experienced in your own practice from the evolving roles of technicians and other support staff? So not having the right people on the bus. <laughs> um, so, you know, we when this kind of all started it um several years ago um it became apparent that there were people that were on my staff that didn't want to do anything extra um and they just didn't have the right mindset so um you know i set some things in place and some things in motion and you know, hopefully gave them enough time to find um, a new home um, for employment. But, you know, there was some hard, I mean, we had to let some people go because they didn't want to think outside the box or do some extra things or have, um, or didn't have, sometimes it's just like the problem solving mentality um, of here's the problem the patient can't get the medication so what should you do how can we help the patient get the needed medication like that was kind of way early on even kind of before enhanced services ever became the term um you know that it became very apparent that they could be good at being a technician but not good at problem solving skills or going the extra mile which is what sets my pharmacy apart. Um, so really having those hard discussions and finding out, um, especially when you start to transform, um, you'll find not everybody is, is, you know, sitting in the seat on the bus and some people had to get off. That was probably the hardest. 
Yeah, and I appreciate that. I think that's always the hardest part of being an owner is, one, um, I appreciate the term that you use, having the right people on the bus. And then, to me, it almost becomes a mutual decision uh, for those individuals who decide they don't want to follow through with the way you're trying to take the practice and having your vision for the practice. But it's important as an owner um, that, you know, you provide them with the ability to try to change, um, but also document when you're having some difficulties as well, too, because, you know, if you do have to let someone go, you want to make sure you have it documented along the way, the reasons, um, just to protect yourself. Would you agree with that, Deborah? Absolutely. Everything in my pharmacy gets written down. <laughs> You keep, you, um, yeah, you keep they, extensive patient or um, employee files, I'm assuming then. Yes, they are quite thick. Yeah, very good. Very good. So, Amber, from your perspective, what are some of the challenges that you've experienced um, from uh, training and utilizing technicians and other non-support staff in different ways? So, um, I came here about three years ago with a different kind of mindset because I had already worked in a doctor's office, um, and I was, you know, trying to do the things that the owner wanted me to do and, you know, help push that vision. There was some resistance and, you know, people worried about me kind of taking over their job. But, you know, we just had to explain that I wasn't, I wasn't here to do that. But there were people that had to realize, you know, they either needed to jump on board with the change that was happening or, you know, find a different passion because their heart wasn't in it anymore. They had been burned out. So we had had some personnel changes as well. But as hard as that was, after that happened, we were all able to kind of flourish and grow and do a lot of things that we wouldn't have been able to do with that barrier in our way. Um, it was hard for everybody, but from that we've all learned that you know, we have to keep changing. There's not just, uh, it's not just to get this task done, you know, and your job is over now. You know, that's where the technician role is changing. Um, it's not just technical, let's just check this off and we're finished. There's always follow-up. There's always more intervention. There's always more things happening with the patient health care that we need to be involved in. So I agree with Deborah. You need to have the right people. Those people need to have the right mindset and motivation, and they need to realize that things are changing, and they're changing quickly, and we all need to stay ahead of that curve if we want to be here, you know, the next 20 years. <laughs> so I agree with that for sure. If there's somebody in the pharmacy that, you know, they may have a lot of experience in the pharmacy, but if they're not willing to change and they're not willing to listen to the ideas and try new things, then that hinders everyone else in the pharmacy as well because they can't grow outside of what they've known and they can't bring anything new to the table because you're always having to worry about that person or, you know, try to get around the struggles that they're having. So it does really hinder the entire staff and the growth of the pharmacy. So. Yeah, I agree, and I appreciate that, too, because, you know, you do talk about the resistance, especially when you have a vision and you're making changes within the practice, because people do have concerns. They may be intimidated that someone is trying to take over their job, so they be, become even more protective and, and not willing to share, not willing to grow. Um, they want to make themselves, you know, um, 
so that they are needed. And so I think it's important that we work with our staff to help them understand that this is for the betterment of the, of, of the practice and the betterment of their jobs as well, too. Um, but I think it's also interesting that you talk about and you both talk about having to let staff go who can't fit in within that vision, don't understand it, nor do they want to participate in it. And you said something, Amber, that I think is very key is that, you know, once you got all the staff who wanted to be part of the vision and help transform the practice, that you're able to flourish and grow. And we've experienced that ourselves in our own practice where, you know, it's that whole saying about one bad apple can ruin the lot. Well, that's true. You can have someone who can be very negative, who might have some um, conversations, you know, behind the scenes or I call them undercurrent uh, type of conversations that can destroy the positiveness and, and the excitement and the energy within the pharmacy. And so you have to make decisions about that staff member as well, too. And uh, because you can't have that if we're going to be moving forward, which is hard enough as it is, we got to have everybody all pushing together to uh, to create that vision for us, too. So anyway, anything else that uh, either one of you want to add as we as we end this interview? Deborah, anything else you want to add? No, I think we uh, covered it all, but um, I can say that when the staff and pharmacists, technicians, and everybody are all on board. Um, it makes for a very pleasant um, work environment. And they're, now they're kind of like, now that we've started to flip the pharmacy, for example, um, they're already asking me, okay, what video are we doing? What's the change package for this month? Um, which is kind of, you know, different than, say, two months ago when we started. And they're like, oh, my, what is this? Um, it was kind of a dread, and now it's kind of like I told them, hey, before I get back from NCPA, I want everyone to have stethoscopes and order this manual blood pressure monitor. Check that out um, because we're all going to get trained on doing blood pressure. So, I mean, it was pretty – it's kind of it's, – it's, it's just nice to see the transformation just in my own staff with this. Very good. And it sounds like what you're saying, too, is that instead of being passive participants, you know, we're like, OK, what are we doing next? Now they're actively participating and uh, anticipating uh, what's the next thing that they need to prepare for. So that's exciting to hear that, Deborah. So thank you. So, Amber, what about you? Anything else you want to add? Um, you know, I just think we just all need to keep promoting working together. Like, I think that's something that's been long lost not just in pharmacy, but just trying to work with other healthcare providers. And, um, you know, I just think that we just need to push the collaboration and the things that everyone's trying to do. The bottom line that I think we all we are all guilty of forgetting is that we're trying to take care of the patients. We're trying to give people a better quality of life. So I just think people need to keep that in mind and just, you know, there's nothing personal against them or you know, any kind of feeling that they may have, but they, we just all need to keep working together and keep the positive mindset. Yeah, I appreciate that as well, too. I think what people need to understand is, you know, we have to collaborate within our own practices and making sure things are moving forward just as much as we have to collaborate with other healthcare providers who are outside of our practice to really optimize the patient's medications. And I think in the end, and a good way to end this is to, the reason why we're making this transformation the reason why we're doing Flip the Pharmacy is because we realize that we, we can do a better job of helping our patients optimize their medications, and it's about the patient. And if we can help the patient and it's right for the patient, then it's right for the profession. So 
Deborah and Amber, thank you very much for your time today and uh, your insights are going to be very helpful as we move forward in the transformation of pharmacy practice and flip the pharmacy. So thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thanks. You bet. Have a good day. Bye-bye. The Thrive Subscribe podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com, where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.